We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services. Hey Trent. Hi Parth, you're looking well. We have a podcast. Wow, I got a lot out of the way. Um, yeah, I'm looking well fed, one could say. Have you eaten anything recently? Oh, thank you. Um, I have had a packet of Oreos by my bedside, which is like an open packet, which has slowly become more and more stale. Um, Do you mean a package? You keep using this word packet. Like or like a sleeve, like, I guess, of of Oreos. Like I, we got it from Costco, but not the full, not the full deal, not like the standard pack of Oreos. It's, no, no, you've no. gotten it's a sleeve situation. Yeah. Okay, then I'll give you a break on saying. You know what it. I mean? Because it's not like the like you peel it and then you, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Familiar, familiar. I've eaten um, Oreos before, believe it or not. But uh, okay. Um, so you've got the packet. Get the packet getting stale by your bed. Story's yeah, and good. so I, I so, finally had the last. Like two or three, um, and they were. Soft. Was it the pinnacle? Of, was it the pinnacle of the packet? Okay, here's the thing. I think I like stale Oreos. But what was the pit? What was the pitfall of this packet? What do you mean? I'm just trying to use a lot of p words. Oh, okay. But it was so particularly saying- preposterous when you consider how perpendicularly I'm parallel parking. <laughs> You're saying the stale Oreo was better. No, no, I'm not saying it's better, but I like. I feel like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I would. Ref- I I'm happy that this Oreo is stale. Like I sometimes like a stale Oreo in the way that I sometimes like a stale tortilla chip. You know what I mean? Wow, I tried to eat a stale tortilla chip like two hours ago, and then I threw them away. Can I throw a curveball at you though? Mm. Mini Oreos. <sighs> I don't think I'm a fan. Part they're a, on on set they're a staple they have that and mini nutter That's butters true. and I and I lose my freaking mind that mini nutter butters mini Oreos and mini what's the other what's the third thing that's in, always in those packets those boxes mini chips a mini chips mini ahoy mini chips ahoy I like the mini chips ahoy I was just gonna say chips ahoy is the one I care the least of out of those three wow that's fucked I up. feel like chips ahoy is just like. What if we made, like, something that is a chocolate chip cookie, which is, like, impossible to be bad, and made it, like, mm. so, like as approaching bad as you can get without actually hitting it? But it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite snacks. But, um, Trent, what have you been eating? I was describing to you earlier my dilemma of, do I get pizza now? Do I wait till tonight to get pizza? And you didn't For the listeners out there, intro- Trent is going to have a party. A party. At his house, that I will be in attendance. Uh, I guess depending on how this recording goes, I guess we'll see if I'm still invited. So far, so good. Oh, cool. But needless to say, um, I had my dad makes cucumbers. I would say he makes pickles, but he makes cucumbers and then he makes his own brine and then he puts them in mason jars for months. And I have uh, a jar of hot pickles I've been working mm. on. So I just popped one in to buy me some time for this recording and to. Like, sometimes I'll be so hungry and frazzled that I can't even think about how I'm going to acquire food. So I just need to have, like, half mm-hmm. of a granola bar. And then I'll be like, okay, I've got, I'm, I can now. Got the necessary put, goods. I can now put together a plan for how to get a real meal together. Okay. Um, well, we've got a real But want to know what was a real. Oh, oh wow. 
Well, I was going to say, Parth 1 is a real meal. This episode, this interview. So should we, should we cue into it? Should we cue into the intro? Wait, I hope it doesn't interrupt. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we have a returning guest. We have our second all-time returning guest, Maria Rushi, director of photography for such films as Shiva Baby and our film for this week, Emma Seligman's Bottoms. Yes, folks, um... This is the second time this year we've talked with Maria Rushi. And Dang! Maria Rushi is following Ruth DeYoung. So both of our returning guests are in quick succession. We had such a grand time with Maria Rushi. Thanks for coming back to the pod. You're super nice and informative, as always. Um, and Bottoms, I mean, we'll spend we'll a week discussing this. But yeah, but it's a fun movie. What a bang! What a banger. What Good a movie. banger. I was full of giggles in my 1 p.m. screening. That's all I'll say. I love when Trent ha- does his little belly laugh that he does. Wait, <laughs> this this won't this won't this won't mean anything because my impression of your laugh has more to do with how I look than how I sound. But do you want to see my Trent laugh impression? I guess this is only for me. But yeah, I, yeah, no, I mean the 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 listeners at home will be riveted. But but there's also an audio component. But it's just not as important. It's, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. um yeah i just did it um you see what i mean by it's more about the visual than the audio yeah no i mean that was pretty accurate i thought sometimes there's like a like a spike like sometimes i'll do like a really like like a yep (laughs) yeah but like i feel feel like it's tough for me to get there i don't know why i just i feel like that sound doesn't come out of me naturally i thought you were going to emphasize that part um you 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 didn't make my laugh seem that unique, just like standard belly laugh, but I'll take okay. what I can get. Um, Speaking of taking what they're going to get, uh, the audience, you're going to take this part one of this interview in which uh, Maria Rushi talks about how she started working on bottoms, what camera lenses, stuff like that. Um, and Yeah, we really we got, just, we got down to, we got down to business fast. Should, should we just cue the, cue the interview? Cue the... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Maria Rushi. We spoke with her a few months ago about her cinematography on Emma Seligman's debut feature film, Shiva Baby, and she's back on the show to talk about her newest film, Bottoms. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, happy to be back. Um, So I guess, I mean, I think you talked about it a little bit um, in our last interview, but if you could sort of talk about the genesis of this project and how you... um, came to know that this was going to be the movie you were working on? Yeah, I, so Emma and Rachel had been writing Bottoms while we were prepping for Shiva Baby. So I kind of heard tell of it a bit, but it was kind of just a, like it was a high school comedy at that point. And um, yeah, I, I uh, finally read the script, I want to say summer of 20. 20- 21 
And I mean, it was crazy. It was like, uh, it was more over the top and insane than even the movie turned out, which I think is a good lesson in like how to make an interesting studio movie because it's just, it is kind of going to get watered down and made more appealing to like the masses. So if you start just so weird, um, it's still going to end up weird. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. Uh, so we touched on this uh, a little bit for Shiva Baby. I'm sure we might be saying that a couple times, but what kind of prep did you or do you do well when trying to create the look for this film? And uh, were there any touchstone films that you were looking at in particular? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, we went through pretty much largely the same um, process that we did last time, which is we looked through a ton of references together and we watch movies kind of together and we make a little watch list and kind of do it on our own and then come back and share sort of clips and go, go through scenes together. And the, the, that is like, it's such a fun early part of the process because you're really building the language together and you're kind of, um, yeah, you're figuring out your tone, your, it's a, it's your touch points for like, camera movement, lighting, all of this stuff, like it's a visual medium. So it's so helpful to be able to kind of point to stuff and be like, it's like this or it's not like this. So um, we had, we, we went through a lot, but we kind of started with some classic high school movies just to, cause we're, we usually, we use a lot of the genre, you know, like, things that you see in all high school movies like the that early scene where you're being introduced to everybody at the school and like um those sort of things that you're expecting to see because by kind of setting it up like it's gonna be a high school movie I think it lets the audience fill in a lot of those gaps and then you're able to kind of like surprise them with other stuff so we were looking at like Ferris Bueller Grease 10 Things I Hate About You is like one of my favorite um, high school movie. movies, and we talked to the cinematographer of that oh, movie. Yep. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, a, a classic. And yeah, it's it's a so I find it also so fun to just rewatch movies that I love. Like it. I think a lot of times when we go through the script, we'll kind of just think of let your brain kind of wander as far as what your finding relates to it or not. I think, uh, I think there are a lot of people who will just kind of look for comps that are like, okay, we're making a high school movie. Here's other high school movies to look at. But I think pulling from all sorts of random places is really like a fun exercise and starting with movies you really love. Like you're able to see what their, what kind of genre conventions they use or subvert or like, just all sorts of things about their visual language that I find really helpful. But anyway, so we started with high school movies traditionally. Um, and then we went in some more like Anchorman Zoolander vibes. Mm. So a little Always more good. campy, exactly a little more kind of wacky and um, they look great. I will say also like you realize how much of the, the costuming and like the design of the world is what makes you realize it's kind of satirical and helps you 
be clued into the joke sort of. Um, and bring it on actually was a big one for tone, I think, because it is, it's hard to imagine since you've seen the movie, like that when you're looking at a script, it's like, it's just not easy necessarily to see what the tone is going to be. Cause you're reading it and you're like, are these people saying this seriously? Like, is this meant to be real people like <laughs> saying these lines to each other? Like, and I think bring it on has such a kind of satirical tone. Um, but it's not, it's not as kooky crazy as like Zoolander or Anchorman. Um, so that was, a, that was, I think a really helpful one to look at. It also had a lot of like, ensemble blocking that was really helpful for us um but yeah then we kind of veered into like action obviously is a a big part of this fight club movie so there's a lot of like fight club rewatches um attack the block was a big one kill bill um and like Shaun of the dead and scott pilgrim um and world's end like semi great Stuff we used largely for a lot of the like fight sequences because they do a lot of um, a lot of their fight sequences are choreographed in a way that's like v- not only very funny but it's you can really see what they're doing like you can really see the fighting that they're doing and and that was kind of a core you know thing for us in terms of wanting to see our girls actually doing the fighting and not hiding the fact that it's really Rachel Senate, like getting punched right. in the face. Awesome. Um, so this movie, again, not to keep comparing it to Shiva baby, but it's so damn Please. hard. Um, there's a pretty sizable budget increase um, between this or between that and this. And so did that sort of, change your process in any way and was that at all like overwhelming that you're dealing with like much more money than you were before or is it just kind of like it's what it is and you just kind of push your way through it yeah I mean I think a lot of people will say like you never feel like you have enough money um which is sort of I think how we felt because the even though it's a sizable budget increase like the the script is a lot more uh, budget um, uh, budget conscious, I guess, in that way. Like, it has just a lot more scope. We were doing practical explosions. We have, like, a couple of fight sequences, obviously more locations and things like that. So, um, but I was so, I was stoked to have more resources because it's, it is, it's so hard to make a small movie. And it's funny because I think, that there it can be challenging sometimes to for studios or like companies to a- approve you to shoot something that's a bigger budget than you've shot before but it's sort of funny because i've i find it like harder to shoot a small budget like movie in some ways because you're having to do so much more like i i had an amazing team who i was able to like delegate different things to like with regards to lighting for example i had a great um gaffer jay moniel who's local and um key grip Corey kirkling who 
had an amazing rigging team. So we, you know, we get to go into the space, talk through what the lighting would be. And instead of having to kind of like kill yourself designing the coverage around the lighting, you're just able to accomplish on your budget level. You know, we were able to like really figure out how to light the space in the best way and the most efficient way to like gain more shooting time. And then because we had a rigging team there, all that stuff's like ready to go basically when we showed up. So I, I really loved a lot of parts about it. I think the most challenging piece of it, um, and I think Emma would uh, attest to this is, is just that your, our crew was, I don't know, 20 people on Shiva baby, 30 people. And this, this crew was like, I don't even know, a hundred, 150 people. And you're having to, you're, you're, instead of there just being a handful of people like on Shiva Baby holding the look in their hands and like holding the, the core of the movie and understanding kind of what that is. And they're kind of just there for all those conversations and everything. Like there's just in, intensely more people to kind of, disseminate that information to and it does become really hard to keep everybody on the same page um because you're just as like the director or even me like you're just not able to talk to everybody so you have to figure out ways to like have um a deck for example that has like key components of the look in it that you can give to basically every crew member just so they have an basic idea of what what the movie is um but yeah something we tried to implement was just kind of like weekly meetings during prep so that um uh, i had a chance to talk with like the production designer costume designer like all in the same room um so i'd say that i think was like the trickiest part so uh i'd say like the narrative is sort of like elevated in the way that like it's I like Shiva Baby like takes place, I'd say closer to like the world as we know it. And then this is sort of like a little bit of like a world without consequence, not without consequence, but they like commit crimes and they're like not worried about it, you know? Mm. Um, So does, and I, and I love operating in that space and does operating in that sort of like pivoted uh, space. How does that affect how you shoot the, the look of the movie? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, because I think that that is kind of exactly what's tricky about doing a movie like that in trying to get every department to understand like what the world is. Because if it's not just reality, you're like, what do people wear or what, how would people act if they're like able to commit crimes or whatever? Um, and so I think something that we talked about with the look was that it was important to, um, kind of heighten the look so that people would be kind of clued in that the world is satirical. And so something we kind of talked about early on was like giving the girls kind of like a superhero arc almost. So we were referencing kind of, we started referencing, yeah, a lot of like um, movies where the main characters are kind of like the heroes and that sort of, a superhero way where they're kind of shot like a little bit lower and there's like there's like an epicness and a scope to how they're shot so we 
that translated for us into shooting like anamorphic and it influenced a lot of like the camera movement a camera mo- camera movement was a big way we achieved that because it's like important beats and things are like punctuated by push-ins a lot um which i feel like is kind of a classic like uh sort of action thing or like um heightened tone sort of thing you're not really doing that on a drama like doing a quick push in when somebody like thinks of their idea or whatever um so those i think those were kind of the core tenants that helped us um yeah like clue the audience into the tone Mm -hmm. and sort of continuing on talking about that tone um this movie seems like it has a lot of improv in it and i mean you can kind of tell because there's a gag reel at the end of the movie which i'm a fan of uh that coming back um but and if i remember correctly there was improv on shiva baby but like again because the worlds are so it's a very different kind of improv and so like what was it like shooting that and sort of setting cameras up in such a way that they you know you're like stylized and like have like composed shots but are also able to do like improv. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it was, um, I think what, what sets it apart a little bit, to be honest, is like, I think Emma and I were both really committed to the look of the movie being important. Um, and not wanting, I think there's a lot of studio comedies like in the past 10 to 20 years that are just like shot so boring but they're set up for like improv i no shade but i feel like the judd apatow sort of model of like um we're just showing a person like doing improv basically at each other and that can be very funny but i like that was just that was we wanted something more for this movie and um i think it, d- it does help being so close with rachel and io like i went to you know, school with them too. I've known them for a long time. And like, I think that there is a little bit, a little more like kind of trust and leeway in terms of Emma being able to like get them to understand how important the look was, which might mean, for example, like, you know, this is still going to be the blocking. Like you take um, the early scene with Aya and Rachel leaving the carnival like that scene was always them walking to the car and then them getting in the car but the like Io still has room to like do this kind of insane monologue but you still have to do it kind of like while we're walking and then at the end of the scene you still need to like point over to Isabel so that we can do a whip pan into that next shot so I think that there was this Emma was able to give them parameters in terms of like the keep it within this type of blocking or um and you know make sure like at this point in the scene or at the end of the scene like you need to move the plot forward and I think that really helped um uh, today while watching the movie just a few hours ago um you have some awesome uh, wides uh with like you know the ensemble cast like you mentioned some of them like looking over camera and they remind me of paintings but that's a, it's a separate thing but um i was thinking um when uh, when you're planning out the sequence of shots 
how I'm sure it's circumstantial, but how do you know, like, okay, it's time to cut to a wide now. Like we've been, we've been up close for a, a while. It's time to cut to a wide or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, that's luckily something like I don't necessarily have to decide since, you know, they're like, uh, choosing a lot of that in the edit, but it's definitely something, you know, when we're shot listing, we're thinking of the edit. So I think that we're just, I mean, I guess I'm trying to make sure that we've thought of kind of the pacing of the scene in terms of like the uses of the wide mainly being like seeing geography and like seeing context to me, those are huge. So if, if there's, um, moments when we need to understand like the trauma circle in the gym uh like without a wide you're kind of like I mean you would get it but you're kind of like where is everybody or like kind of what what's the situation here um but then Hannah Park who did Shiva Baby cut this movie as well and um so I think she has a good sense with Emma of of pacing so um, and if you could talk a little bit about the camera you use and like lenses and like specific equipment stuff that was going on yeah, um, and, and sort of the thought process that went into choosing that equipment. Yeah, for sure. So we shot on the, um, Alexa mini LF, um, and we shot with Atlas Orion anamorphic lenses. Um, and the mini LF, I mean, I, I shot basically every movie I've done on an Alexa of some sort. I think that it's, it's really, it's just like a, a tool is how I see it. But, um, I think it has been, um, a tool I've like gotten used to in terms of like how to, how to manipulate the colors and skin tones and things like that. Um, but we chose our anamorphic lenses because when we started kind of talking about this being a superhero movie or referencing a lot of superhero movies, we really felt anamorphic would give us the scope and, um, kind of format that would help people realize like, oh yeah, this looks like a action movie sort of. So that was kind of like the impetus behind those two choices. And then we tested out a, a bunch of lenses um, to see what kind of felt like our movie. That's honestly, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, you're looking at certain technical factors, but also we're just looking at these tests projected and we're like, does this look like our movie? At this point we've prepped so much. And we've looked at so many references and everything like, you kind of can feel when it's right. Um, so we, yeah, we used those, uh, these kind of like modern anamorphic lenses and then um, had them like detuned, which just is the process of Panavision kind of like banging them around until they look softer. Um, so, and that I think made them feel a bit more in line with the kind of more classic like softer high school movies they were a little they're they're quite modern so they're a bit sharp um out of the box but but yeah i think we landed on a good combination 
Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about um, anamorphic lenses, but I'm pretty sure they are just like shallow depth of field, which I noticed in the movie. Um, and then I like I noticed so often you're focused in the foreground and then you shifting to the action in the background. And uh, I guess uh, I noticed it a few times. So uh, you're, or I guess, how are you? You're like combining shots like that or like... I guess I'm sure that was on your mind or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Like in our, you know, we kind of had our, um, when you are doing a studio movie, typically they'll, you'll do like a show and tell kind of towards the end of prep where you're like the kind of, uh, main departments are showing the studio, this kind of like pretty tight Bible sort of, of, of what, the look's going to be like a few slides on cinematography, a bunch of the costumes, stuff like that. And like our kind of main tenants were the uh, like scope with through anamorphic, like sh- giving them the superhero arc and then layering like visual comedy within the frame. So that I'm glad you noticed because that was kind of like a huge visual like, um, yeah, kind of tenant we were trying to structure things around and you see it a lot honestly in like I mean a lot of Edgar Wright stuff but also a lot of Zoolander does it a ton too and um so that was just yeah that was on our mind whenever we were kind of like blocking and then composing frames like how to how to um how do you block the scene so that your seeing either some action in the background that like could add comedy or like drama or something to the context like you know seeing the number two football player um and miles and um and seeing in the back like all the other football players and jeff without his crutches just like messing around like yeah we're, we're thinking about how do you give more context to the scene how do you kind of like support whatever emotion it is that you're trying to like convey in that scene the um honestly the depth of field was like a little bit tricky like with how shallow the focus is just because the shooting on the lf means shooting large format and that is that is um a shallower depth of field because the sensor is larger than like a standard 35 millimeter camera so in we use that because look you know there's a 4k requirement for a lot of studios and that let us hit it but it's it is tricky because i i wasn't sure if the like shallowness of the depth of field would really be right for our look but i think we kind of found a balance by not by not being too wide open on the lenses um and yeah just being conscious conscious of uh the that shallow depth of field and like when we were using it and when we wanted to see more in the background what an interview what a is it over no, part that ended it it ended kind of abruptly f- for being I mean good I mean nice editing job no sarcasm there 
but it ended kind of abruptly. It's like the conversation was only halfway complete. The rumors are true. There's part two of this interview coming out next week, and there we're talking specific scenes, guys. And when I and I, I and Trent, I have edited both parts of this interview, so I know what's in it. And let me just both say, part, both parts of these interview. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's good. Next week's episode is good. And not only did it's I also edit good. it, I was there. Um, as was I. Yeah. As was Maria Rushi. And uh, what fun we had. We she felt kind of jokingly slighted about being the second returning guest, and so we jokingly promised her, but we hope she comes back, that she could be the first, third-time returning yes. guest. Which is really which, all that matters in this world. Yes, which uh, I don't, we might have to come up with some sort of golden jacket, uh, mm, you know. To uh, send her away. Meta- yes, or at least to, uh, to yeah. jokingly. Or just like a sticker, or- you know, because that might just be a little bit less expensive for us. How about we design and print one custom-made craft services sticker, one of one of one, uh, because none none of them currently exist in nature. Um, Remember when I was like, "Hey, Parth, there's this really cool artist. Do you want to split a hundred fifty dollars for them to make us a Twitter banner?" And you were like, "No," and I was like, "Yeah, it's probably wise." Given the cumulative amount of money we have earned making this podcast, which is in the negatives, um, I think it was probably smart not to spend 150 more dollars on a Twitter banner most people won't see. I've seen our follower count. We're at the end of the episode, so. Uh, but fun fact, um, the person's rate has probably skyrocketed since then because they've since like been on Jimmy the Fallon. News. Oh okay. no. I don't, I don't think so, but um, they oh I we won't name any names, but they're a cool artist person, and they like got on like big news network channels because they like live in New York, and people have like signs for like watch my dog, join my band, or whatever, and they'll just be like written on written on paper, and he like takes them and like redesigns them in like really cool ways, and then like replaces them with it. And then um, major news networks started paying attention. But he's a really cool artist. But now he's, like, mildly famous, so it probably costs more money. Speaking of major news networks, are there any major podcasting platforms Platforms that this for which we can be located on? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Google Google Podcasts. Pandora. Amazon Music. (laughs) You see my face when I say Pandora? It's one of... well, I won't discuss. Consult. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope if you're listening Someone, to us on Pandora, a proprietor of our podcast, we're, maybe we're just a little confused. I, like we don't understand. We're not unhappy. On, we're just on Pandora. Do you have to like random shuffle your podcast episode? No, I, I think be like I think your podcast movie can, podcast, nice. and no. then it'll just throw you like episode blank seventy three. I the duck craft services. Die hard with the blank. Anyways, Parth, how how many movie podcasts do you listen to regularly? Um, I listen to the DGA podcast. I listen okay. to Eye of the Duck because I like to see if they've butchered my production history or not. They they don't usually. I occasionally have to listen to ours. Um, okay. Gone well, actually, it. sometimes I like to listen to ours because while we're doing the interviews, I feel like I'm not fully present. And so a lot of the information, unless it's like particularly cool kind of 
runs away from my mind. And then I'm like, wait, that was a good interview, actually. Um, Every time we were doing the interviews, I'm so focused just like sweating. on... I'm so drenched in sweat because the room is hot and I'm very focused on not forgetting the next question I'm supposed yeah. to ask or texting Parth. I don't know a question to ask. Can you ask two in a row? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I, the duck, uh, DJ, a podcast, our podcast, uh, the Seth Goldsmith's writing podcast, the IndieWire um, wow. podcast, the editor's cut podcast, um, occasionally team Deacon's though not that often. Mar- uh, Mark Marion, I feel like sometimes interviews film people, so like I feel like that can kind of count. WTF with Mark Marin. Um Blank check occasionally, not that often. Um, I'm sure there's more, but right now we're at 9%. Wow, Parth. I consider myself off the deep end, and I'm only regularly listening to like four or five movie podcasts. Yeah. I... But a, a, a toxic trait of mine is the... Oh, and light the fuse. Ten. That's ten. Yeah. Dang. Is the ability to re-listen to the same podcast episode five to ten times. I think you're before... you're, you're unparalleled in that um, ability. It's... Uh, it it draws a lot of things to question. Yeah. As to, as to why it's not a problem. But um, the the audience is probably like questioning where we are social media wise, and I would just have to say Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can go follow us there. And at we wrap craft this services up? podcast. Um, yeah, I'll see All you in right. a few hours, Parth. Yeah, I'll see you, buddy. Bye. Let me know if you have a pizza. Bye.